do you swoon when you see all those dolled-up vintage trailers the girl campers have? Do you dream about finding one and fixing it up? Do you wonder what's really involved in a rehab and where you would even find one to begin with? Well, Tim Heinz, this country's leading vintage trailer expert and restorer, is here today to talk about the nuts and bolts, literally, of vintage trailer rehabs. Stay tuned. Hello, my name is Janine Pettit and I'm a girl camper. I go places and do things with other adventurous and curious women. We camp like girls in tents, vans, travel trailers, motorhomes, and even cars. We travel solo and in groups to girl camping gatherings, large and small, to bucket list destinations with friends, or on our own to wherever the wind blows us. On this show, we'll talk about the qualities of a girl camper and how you can be a girl camper too. The girl campers are having a party and you're invited. Stay tuned while we share what's happening on the back roads of America the Beautiful. The Girl Camper Podcast is brought to you by our consortium of girl camper friendly RV dealerships. General RV with 13 locations in the U.S., Setzer's World of Camping in Huntington, West Virginia, and Bankston Motorhomes with three locations in Alabama and two in Tennessee. Also providing support and sponsorship for Girl Camper is Campco Manufacturing, makers of over 4,000 products for your RV, boat, and tailgating needs. And GoRVing.com, home base for everything you need to get started RVing. And of course, our friends at Liberty Outdoors, makers of the Max and Mini RVs. Welcome, I'm Janine Pettit, girl camping ambassador, blogger, adventurist, and podcaster. And this is episode 180 of Girl Camper, the podcast. On today's show, I'm playing fangirl to guest Tim Heinz. I have been a follower of Tim's for years and have always been so impressed by Tim's knowledge of vintage trailers as well as his kindness and humility. He always takes the time to answer people's questions. I'm excited to talk to him about his love for vintage trailers and what the deal is on renovating versus refurbishing them. Stay tuned for Tim. Before we chat with Tim, I have a message from our friends at GoRVing. RVing is more affordable than you might think. Head on over to GoRVing.com and click on the Affordability tab to find out how RV travel can be more economical than other types of vacations. There's also valuable information on the ins and outs of buying and renting an RV and how the latest models of RVs are designed to be more fuel efficient. They even have expert advice on purchasing RV insurance. While you're over there, check out their vacation value generator where you can compare the cost of a family RV vacation to other types of family vacations. You're going to find out when you get there that you can practically take two RV vacations for every one of the conventional hotel vacations that you take. That means you get to be out and about more often. So check this all out over at GoRVing.com. Find your way and go RVing. It's my pleasure to welcome Tim Heinz to the show. I have been a fan and follower since I purchased my first vintage trailer, a 1959 Field and Stream, way back in 2006. I found Tim online and he was so generous with his time and knowledge. It's not a stretch at all to say that Tim is the leading national expert on vintage trailers. Their history, their restoration, and their value. If you ever need to have one valued, Tim is your guy. He can usually tell in just a glance what the make of the trailer in your neighbor's backyard really is. He's got a background in architecture, a love for vintage finds, and is the CEO and founder of Heinz Designs Vintage Trailers Restoration in Panama City, Florida. And Tim, I am so 
thrilled to have you on the show. Welcome. Oh, thank you. I'm very excited to be here. Well, I'm really, I'm like a, I'm a huge Tim Heinz fan. <laughs> I, when, when I just need to relax, I'll go on over to uh, the Tin Can Tourist website and just look at everybody's trailer. And everybody's always, Tim, what do you think of this? Tim, can you ID this for me? Like, you're the man. <laughs> well, thank you. <laughs> <laughs> and, and you gave me lots of help because before I went um, to a new trailer, I think I had seven or eight vintage trailers, and I, I know, I get it, I know why people love them, and I've watched your shop, in fact, I, I have this 1966 um, Go Tagalog, and I said to my husband, boy, if I won the lottery, I would tow this down to Heinz Designs and have Tim completely rebuild it for me, so I... I totally understand why people fall in love with vintage trailers, but I feel like there is a disconnect between the charm of them and the reality of using them. So I want to tell everybody that your shop is down there in Panama City. So before we get talking about um, your business and all the things you can share with us, I want to ask you how you're doing because that hurricane came, you took almost a direct hit. Oh, yes. The hurricane pretty much was directed to our county. Um, the good thing was, if there's such thing as a good side to a hurricane, it is the west side. But we were just barely on the west side. So it was pretty devastating in this area. Our entire area suffered 165-mile-per-hour sustained winds for three-and-a-half solid hours. And the gusts of winds up to 208 miles an hour. And although the very center direct hit of the hurricane and the east side gets a lot of storm surge and a lot of flooding, they do tend to get the eye of the storm, which gives them anywhere from about a 20-minute to almost an hour break where it literally looks like a sunny day outside before it starts again. And unfortunately, being just on the west side, we didn't get that break. So we had extensive wind damage. Uh, homes were destroyed. I mean, there were whole houses sitting in the middle of the roads. Um, I haven't gotten a lot of um, information on public uh, about my personal experience, but mm -hmm. I lost my home. My parents lost their home. Uh, but we're doing okay. Um, yeah. Thankfully, I've got plenty enough trailers to stay in. I was <laughs> able to evacuate some of them. wasn't able to evacuate my entire collection. And remarkably, our business survived. We had a little bit of damage on the roof, mm -hmm. but considering every other building in our industrial complex was either wiped out to the foundation or lost their entire roofs, I consider ourselves very lucky. We were able to save every client trailer that had to stay here. We shoved them all inside. We really have a good hurricane preparedness plan. We're Florida locals. We know how to prepare for the first. But um, unfortunately, with my personal collection, I did lose eight of my own personal vintage and rare trailers. But um, we're, we're taking it day by day. Business suffered a little bit. Um, we were shut down for about two or three months, and we we're slowly getting recovered, and we're just about back up to full speed. Are you having trouble finding employees because there's so few places to live there now? We are. The unfortunate thing with this hurricane in our area, Panama City is a very old part of Florida. Mm -hmm. uh, not much has changed. Uh, mostly retirees, uh, retired military. We have military bases here. And business owners are the ones that have been ground-rooted in this area and you know have been here for generations, including mm -hmm. myself. And... Uh, but the workforce is the younger generation, those in their you know, 20s, 30s, 40s, you know, before retirement age, and a lot of them had moved to this area. It's a tourism area, so they come down here for work, they have no family ties. The hurricane hit, it wiped out all the rental properties, all of the mm -hmm. apartments. We still hardly have any apartments open back up. They're all still gutted, they got new roofs, and they look good on the outside, but the interiors haven't been rebuilt. And unfortunately, that workforce had to leave the area because they had no family ties to live with. Yeah. They couldn't afford no the few rentals. Right, and yeah. the few rentals that are starting to open back up, it's a supply and demand situation. An apartment that only rented for $800 before the hurricane is now renting for twenty-five to $3,500 a month. Oh, my gosh. Who can afford general, that? The general labor force cannot afford that. Yeah. I mean, even, you know, if you're making good wages for this area, $15, dollars $20, $25 an hour, you still cannot afford a $3,500 a month for a one or two bedroom apartment. Yeah. So that's the little bit of downfall we're struggling with, and we know it's going to take time, but it's just doing the best we can day by day. 
Oh, I, I'm so sorry. And really, I keep you in my prayers because I've been following your recovery online. I, I follow you uh, at Heinz Designs Trailer Restoration, your your Facebook page. I, I'm always looking to see what's going I still am so drawn to vintage trailers. Um, I wanted something that I knew was safe. I, I love my 66 Go Tag Long, but I, I always say... Um, to my husband, yes, it's a charming little writer's cottage. My nephew is in possession of it now, and it's a playhouse in his backyard. His kids love it. Um, but it's not something you tow to Yellowstone. So right. I, I want to talk about this. Um, I, I, I get the part where people really love these things. When I got mine, I got very lucky because I bought it sight unseen off eBay. I mean, it just seems crazy now. But that's how, like, enamored I was. I was just like, i got to have it. It's got the Birchwood beauty. And I had been searching eBay for so long, so I paid $2,500 for it sight unseen. Now, eBay did have some kind of warranty thing where if it isn't what you say it was they would give you my money back so I felt like I had a little cushion there and right. I took off from New Jersey drove down to Asheville North Carolina and picked that thing up by myself the the owner met me in the parking lot at DMV and he had you know all the papers it, it went very smoothly Started towing the thing home with zero knowledge about it. I didn't know some trailers have trailer brakes, some don't. It had a little four-way plug. I just started towing that thing home. My car was overheating all the way home. My my minivan with 120,000 miles on it, that's what I was towing, this little tiny vintage trailer. Well, I bought mine from the person who bought it from the original owner. Uh, he bought it from the guy who picked it up from the factory in 1959, and that guy had taken really nice care of it. And then the guy I bought it from had used it for a ham radio studio, and he had done some upgrades to it. And it, it was in decent shape for what it was, but I had no clue of what to even look for or ask. I brought that thing home and just started using it. I replaced all the copper wiring in it, and my husband redid all the electric in it. And um, so I had a little propane stove, an icebox refrigerator. So there weren't like too many things to go wrong in it. Um, but since then, I have bought and purchased and re renovated uh, several vintage trailers. And I never, ever bought one that wasn't full of rotted wood, um, leaking pipes, cracked windows, so I would like you to talk to um, our audience, Tim, about whether or not you feel like it's possible to buy a vintage trailer that's usable that hasn't had a frame-off restoration. And I would love it if you would explain the difference between a renovation and a frame-off restoration. Sure. You know, it's, it's a great hobby. I mean, it's very appealing to anybody. And you know, nobody should be discouraged thinking that they can't do it. It's something that can be done, but you really need to do your research and know what you may be getting into and what to look out for. Mm -hmm. um, yes, you can still find pristine vintage trailers. It's a little hard to do. You can find what, you know, we call in the industry a barn, find something that's been undercover, something that's been well taken care of. But we'll start with those trailers. Even those trailers can be problematic. If they've been in a barn, been in a, a, a building or something that's just been out of the weather, they can be beautiful pieces that don't need really any work done or appear that they don't need any work done. But when these trailers have sat out of the weather, they, they're in a very dry atmosphere. All the sealants and the butyl tape and the caulking that they use at the factory, the, the type of um, um, oil-based seals they use can dry out over time. So the trailer may not show any water damage because it has been out of the weather, but as soon as you bring that trailer out into the weather, it's going to start leaking. Because uh, those seals are going to be bad, the weather stripping is going to be bad, the people tape may be dried out and cracked. So just because it looks good, you know, it may still need the typical upkeep that any other trailer would need. Um, it's always a good idea if you do happen to find one of these barn finds to remove the corner trim, remove the windows, reapply the butyl tape, and just kind of do a resealing job. Um, so those are the best ones to find. They're not the easiest ones to find, yeah. so you're probably not going to be in that situation. So what you're typically going to be finding are those trailers that have sat out in somebody's backyard in a field, you know, maybe have had some maintenance done to them, but typically have water staining under the windows, maybe mm -hmm. the roof dents leaked. Um, 
and some of these can get you in trouble as far as how much work needs to be done versus how much work you think it needs to be done. Uh, unfortunately, the way these trailers are built, with wood frame trailers, is the exception would be metal frame trailers like Airstreams and uh, Streamliners and stuff like that. But the wood frame can have trailers that you know most people are falling in love with. Yeah. They were built as just a floor. Then they would put all the cabinets in place. Then they would put the sidewalls, and the absolute last thing that would go on would be the roof, starting with the interior ceiling panels. So these interior ceiling panels have to sit on top of the sidewalls, and they're fastened to the top of each sidewall on each side, and that's what keeps your trailer square. It keeps those walls from being able to move independently. So if you do find a vintage trailer that's got some wood rot in it, it's got a lot of people get in trouble because they'll say, oh, it's just a little bit of water damage around the roof panel where the roof vent was. So I'll just take that out from the inside, put a new one in, good to go. Well, unfortunately, the reality is because that panel is sandwiched between the roof and your sidewalls, mm -hmm. you technically can't pull that out without removing the entire roof structure. You have to be able to lift that panel up from the outside. Now, if you go in there and you cut it out, you chisel it out, and you try to remove what all you see, and you put a panel right back in that place, you're not tying those sidewalls together. So now as you're traveling down the road at 60, 65 miles an hour, mm -hmm. this trailer's going to start twerking and moving independently of each other, the two sidewalls. And that's going to start allowing you know, con uh, connection points to, to fracture, to fail, and eventually it's going to cause some major structural issues with your trailer. Um, unfortunately, you also see the result of this by how many trailers that you see are being sold that are gutted. So many people get the idea of, I go inside, I gut it from the inside, I don't have a garage to work inside, I don't have a carport, so I'm just going to do it from the inside first. That's the problem. They get it gutted, and then they start realizing, because they see how it's constructed, that there's really no way to attach the panels back on the inside. They get frustrated, they kind of give up, they post it back for sale. Uh, unfortunately, they usually post it back on sale with the, the description of all the hard work has been done. Yeah, I know. <laughs> so, uh, it may have been hard work for them, but they kind of made it even more hard work for you. So uh, when you well, do this, when someone brings one to you, and, and I'm, I'm laughing as you're saying this, but not in a good way, because I did exactly that. I gutted the whole thing from the inside, and that's when I discovered how they were put together. Right. Unfortunately, my dad was here who was an engineer. He's like, this ain't going to work, you know. Yeah. <laughs> um, so I had dad here to go, no, the, the, honey, this has got to keep the walls together here. Right. So if you don't have a dad like that or you in your life, you know, you're not realizing what you could be doing. You could be hurting the trailer because the interior cabinets are very structural with such a trailer. Mm -hmm. uh, if you happen to buy a gutted trailer, you really need to put some strengthening supports inside before you even pull it. I have gotten countless emails and phone calls from people that are very distraught because they bought what they thought was a good deal, gutted trailer, and before they were even able to tow it 5, 10, 15 miles home, it started to collapse on them. Mm -hmm. There's just nothing to hold them together when they're gutted. Um, I know not everybody has the capability of putting it under cover, putting it in the garage, doing it, you know, taking your taking time. Taking the sides off. Exactly. But it's really going to make it easier in the long run. It, it, it seems daunting to think about doing a trailer that way, but I can assure anybody that's listening here that it's going to make it better in the long run. It's mm -hmm. going to make it easier on you. You'll, you'll have a higher success rate that you'll get the trailer done. Now, yes, it may take a little bit longer you're going to be much more happier with the end result. Okay, so when you find this vintage trailer that you love, does every single trailer have to have that kind of restoration? So what if you find one of these barn finds? My sister found a 1968 Kenskill. It, it was a barn find like you talk about, but just what you said, she and I took all the windows out. We, we cleaned all the aluminum. We put all new butyl tape. Then we took every corner seam off, and the I could see the wood underneath there. It was bone dry. It wasn't right. black and dark and rotted. So we felt, like, great, right? But, right. like hers, the toilet seal and everything, no water had been in that thing from for 20 years. You know, she bought it from the original owners. And um, so that... 
I said to her, "This you don't need that kind of restoration on this. This is some, She took it to a really good right. trailer guy and had it done. But what are the kind of things people should be looking for when they're looking? So they see an ad on Craigslist and they go out and it's a trailer and, oh, it's been in my grandma's backyard for 15 years. What should people be looking for? Right. When you, when you find a trailer, always inspect every detail. Mm-hmm. You know, you're not going to insult the seller if you're going to say, hey, I want to plug it in. I want to put water up to it. I want to test everything in this trailer before you make a deal on it. Okay. Um, the water, water issues like finding leaks or finding water stains, that's the main concern to look for. Um, and our rule of thumb here, and we see plenty of trailers coming in our shop all the time. We've been doing this for 15 years, mm-hmm. and I can say with certainty, every trailer that comes in that has some signs of water damage, there is always, always 40 to 60% more damage than what you can visually see on just a digital inspection. It's just the way these are the nature of the beast. Now, when it comes to systems like plumbing, toilets, appliances, and stuff like that, that's pretty easy. There's not a lot of major issues with that. Now, if a trailer has had water in it, like if there was water left in the toilet bowl when it was mm-hmm. as put in storage in the water lines, if it was in a part of the country that gets freezing temperatures, the lines may have busted. Mm-hmm. Um, it can be a little bit of a job to replace all that plumbing, but it's not overly difficult. The good thing is you can almost access all the plumbing lines of all these trailers. Like from underneath? From inside the cabinets okay. from inside the trailer. The good thing is they almost never put plumbing inside the walls. So you can actually have access points. Okay, that's time. good to know. Uh, so it's time-consuming but not difficult. Right. So a, a home carpenter could do that. A yes, guy, absolutely. A man or woman uh, with basic skills could do that. Right. Most of your trailers that predate 1960 are just going to be regular plumbing like you have in a house. Mm-hmm. Uh, so that's pretty easy to do. Now, when you get into the 60s, you start getting see more holding tanks, more water tanks that have um, 12-volt water pumps. Mm-hmm. That can be a little bit unusual if you don't have that RV-type experience yeah. in plumbing. There's plenty of great books out there you can get. There's online books mm-hmm. that... It's pretty much across the board with all these trailers of the type of system you're trying to put okay. in. Now, when it comes to electrical, electrical can be a little iffy. They are ran inside the walls. Now, if you find a really good trailer that's been well kept, it doesn't look like there's a lot of damage, doesn't look like rodents have been inside of it, insects, yes, anything like that. The mice eat it. Right. So if there's no signs of that, nine times out of ten, if there's going to be electrical issues in a good trailer, Mm-hmm. It's going to be right behind the light fixtures, right behind the outlets. So that's very easy to remove those fixtures and check the connections behind. So what the, would you look the for there? Fraying or like signs that there was like a spark or? It's very common back then. Everybody wanted lighter, uh, more light in their trailers. They would put 100 watt incandescent bulbs. They got extremely hot. So you may see burn marks on the wood behind the fixtures, and sometimes mm-hmm. that would heat the wiring right there. The the rubber or plastic coating would get mm-hmm. very fragile, crack off. But it would only be right behind the fixtures. So check right behind the fixtures. Okay. Uh, now, if there have been signs of rodents and you know termites, anything like that, then you're pretty much going to be in the case where the trailer's going to need a pretty extensive teardown, restoration. So you're going to have that opportunity to change the electrical lines out of it anyway. Okay. Uh, so that would be that would be something that would uh, differentiate between a renovation and a actual rebuild. Right. Yeah. And those terms are used very loosely in the hobby. I, mm-hmm. Some people say, well, if you're tearing it all the way down to the frame and still building it back to just like it was. It's not a restoration. It's it's a new trailer. Well, my personal preference on it, I mean, you've got fine art and art galleries that are millions of dollars. The Mona Lisa is not the original painting that it was. It's been restored so many times. Mm-hmm. Frames been redone. Paintings mm-hmm. been touched up. But it doesn't mean it's any less than what it was to begin with. And oh, I like that. It, yeah, if the restoration is done like that, you're still representing the great masterpiece it was when it was new. So, so you're I trying to maintain like, its original luster. Right. Right, and I'll even go to the point that even if you do it back to original, but you add a few modern conveniences, maybe an updated you know battery system and converters and inverters, but you still do it in respect to the original design, I still need to consider that a restoration, not a remodel. When you are doing um, things for a, a client, then you have to do what they want, not maybe what Tim Heinz would do himself. <laughs> but right. 
Most of our clients are great that they come to us because they know the type yeah. of quality of work that we do. Um, although we're very well known as doing kind of museum-type restorations mm -hmm. and restorations that look original, we actually do a lot of custom modifications as well. Um, oh, okay. They, they don't tend to go as viral as some of our really yeah. nice all-original yeah. trailers do, but I mean, we've got trailers in the shop now. There's one Spartan that the client's son is about six foot six, six foot seven, so we actually had to raise a whole trailer about 18 inches to give them enough oh, wow. head height inside. <laughs> oh, wow. uh, it's, it's a crazy custom job, but yet yeah. we're still keeping that respect of the original design of the trailer. Yeah. Oh, that Spartan Manor is just one of my dreams. My grandparents and my aging aunts and uncles when I was a kid, they all lived in trailer parks down in Florida all winter. Right. And we would go down to the trailer. And I honestly think that's where my love for vintage trailers was planted, you know, because I walk in one now and I just, I get emotional. I, I really do. And I remember my aunt's Spartan Manor. And every time I see one of those, I just like die over it. I they're, they're so great trailers, and that's another aspect for your listeners is the difference between a, like aluminum frame trailer, and then you get into the uh, or wood frame trailers versus the aluminum frame trailers. Now, the aluminum frame trailers like Spark and mm -hmm. Avion, and Airstream, mm -hmm. trailers like that. That's the exception to the rules we talked about earlier. Those trailers were built as a custom body first, then they put the interior in. So they're great trailers that you can buy. Go inside of them, rip everything you want to out on the inside, and you're not compromising the integrity of the structure. So those are really good trailers. Is that because that. of the rivet construction, too? Yeah. Okay. Yes. And they're easy to remove everything from the inside. All of these riveted trailers and, and aluminum frame trailers, and even some of the steel frames like Vagabond and Pierce Arrows and stuff mm -hmm. like that, they were made where you could literally remove everything from the inside right out the door, and completely rebuild it. So they're really great trailers for first-time buyers. Unfortunately, their prices are a little bit higher, but I think you're, you balance it out because it is a little bit easier for a first-time restoration. So those are always great trailers for first-timers. Um, just do your research, know what decades are good. Um, like with Airstream, we see it a lot here at our shop with people calling us, they buy their first Airstream, they're very excited. Airstreams are great products. Um, they're great years all throughout the years. The 1970s tend to be a little bit of an iffy year. They were bought out. Yeah. So, you know, uh, it's a little bit of a shame because all these people that want Airstreams, they know the brands, they're first time mm -hmm. buyers, they see all these Airstreams that are so expensive, then they find the 1970s, it's half the price, and they yeah. go, like, yeah, I got to jump on it. Whenever well, I see a good Airstream, it's yeah. always a 70s. And, and if you yeah, knew a little bit, you would know that. It doesn't mean they're all bad, but they had a tendency of having some pretty rear, uh, severe rear frame issues, okay. and that can be very expensive, very, very expensive. So just, you know, always rule, good rule of thumb is just inspect any trailer you're looking at. If it, you know, looks like it's got issues, mm -hmm. you can guarantee it does. And I, one of the, the greatest tips I give people is never, ever, ever fall in love with the trailer you're going to look at. Don't fall in love with it just by photos or yeah. as soon as you pull up and see it. And what I do, and I, it's hardening for me, and I mean, I've been doing this for <laughs> you're, you're a realist. Right, as soon as you see it. But what I do when I go to inspect a trailer or look at a trailer to purchase myself, I only focus on the negatives. I try to talk myself out of it. And if I, by the time I look over it for 30 minutes or an hour, and I'm still considering it after doing nothing but focusing on all the negatives, then, it doesn't mean it is, but then it's possibly a good purchase. But, I mean, if you start talking yourself out of it and it's too easy to talk yourself out of it, walk away. Okay, walk so away. I, I want you to speak to this topic. I, I know that there are things, like you're a professional, you can you do all of this stuff yourself. And you have a background in architecture, and so you understand construction, which I didn't get. And thank God my dad happened to be here the day I was tearing mine apart and said, wait a minute, you can't do that. Um, what is something that no hobbyist or person with basic carpentry skills should ever attempt to do in their trailer by themselves? You know, some of the things that they just don't need to try to tackle, I mean, I'm a firm believer that pretty much anybody can do just about anything on these trailers. But make sure you, you know for a fact what you're doing, you, you do your research. It's not overly difficult work, but a few things that I just would not suggest is running gear work. Like if you need a new axle, 
You okay. need new heat springs, new brakes, new hubs, anything like that really could put your life and everybody else's life at risk on the road. That you need to kind of get some professional help with. If you're rewelding something on the frame or you're rewelding the hitch, you need some work on it, then you need to kind of get some professional help. Mm -hmm. Plumbing, electrical, interior work like that is not overly difficult. Electrical, I would suggest you at least buy an electrical, RV electrical guy to kind of do some research mm -hmm. on. It can be a little tricky. It's not the same. Even if you buy an old trailer from the 40s or 50s, it's just like a house. There's no batteries, no 12 volt, no 6 volt, mm -hmm. none of that. Just 120 volt electrical. You need to do your research because you can't wire it exactly like houses used to be wired. Mm -hmm. um, you can't put the ground wire on with a neutral wire like some of the older homes do. So that can be a little tricky, but mm -hmm. um, it's not overly difficult. Just uh, you know, so I, I'm, I'm almost embarrassed to tell you this because I don't know what the. <laughs> so I've got to tell you what I did because I do want people to learn from my own mistakes, you know, and and I, I'm really honest on the show about telling people that. There were so many things I didn't know. And that's why Girl Camper really seeks to be uh, educational and informational. Like, I always feel like people write to me and say, oh, you know, I, I you're so inspiring and I, I really want to go camping. But I think when you inspire people, but you're not, um, you just inspire them, inspire them with pretty pictures, but you don't tell them how to do it safely that's a disservice to people you know and and I think I, I am sitting here with you by the grace of God because I, I'm telling you I drove down the road with trailers with people honking at me because the tires were low and I'm like I, 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 I drove around for three years never checked the tires my, my husband checked them when I put them on <laughs> like I just didn't regular upkeep is a big thing about trailers you need to make sure you grease your bearings you know I it, it depends on how much you're pulling, but bearings mm -hmm. need to be greased every, you know, year or two. Yeah. Just because, you know, they're not being pulled much. Check your dates on your tire. You can do a quick Google search to find out how to find out how old your tires are. It's a very simple process. There's right. a date code on the tire. You really do not need any tires on your trailer that are more than four to six years old. I don't care if they look brand new. Right. I had elderly grandparents once that had a motorhome. The tires they bought brand new, they had less than 100 miles on it. I decided to take them on a trip. I was going to drive them. They were in their 80s. I asked, how old are the tires? He said, oh, they're not that old. Tread looks brand new. So we even had little, little sticks on them sticking out on them. Mm -hmm. We blew eight tires in less than 300 miles because when I checked the date code on them, they were 12 years old. Less than 100 miles. But the worst thing for trailer tires is sitting and not being used. So don't okay. think just because they're not used a lot mm -hmm. that they're good. So my rule of thumb, I, there's a little bit of debate on what type of trailer tires to use, whether bias or radials. I use both, but I typically use radials on smaller trailers, bias on bigger ones. I, my personal preference is four to five years for radials, five to six for bias. Bias does tend to last just a little bit longer. Um, and how important no, do you no think it is to, for people to cover their tires? It's always a good idea to cover your tires. Mm -hmm. UV rays are very bad for tires. They'll make them age faster. Sitting on bare ground will also leach the oils out of the tires. So it's always best to have them sitting on. They, they make like plastic pads you can park your tires on. Yeah. Best thing you can do for tires. And if your trailer's going to be setting for long term, it may be if it's easy for you to move the trailer every you know three or four months. Just move it up a foot or two, move it back a foot or two to keep those tires from sitting on a flat spot. On one. Right. So this thing that I did is I got this vintage trailer and I was nervous about the electric. So I drilled a hole in the side and I put a new box in it and I just ran all new wiring and covered it all on the, I just bypassed the right. system and I, I put a whole new box in and it was outside sitting on the casing, but I just covered it very pretty and painted it to blend in. <laughs> I don't know if that was good or bad, but I... I didn't want to sit there at night thinking, like, I smell smoke. Is something burning? Like, I just right. wouldn't use the electric. I didn't trust it. Mm -hmm. Now I realize that trailer that I did that to probably shouldn't have been trusted at all. But, well, you know. You put new electrical in it. So you, you were on the right path. So, you know, <laughs> but, it wasn't too bad. But you just said things. Like, I had new tires put on it and the bearings grease. But I never did. I, well, I had a great trailer guy here. And I would take it in and say, Chris, should I buy this or not? I would tow it over to him and say, should I keep this or not? And sometimes he'd call me and say, this is, pass on this. 
And other times he'd call me and say, wow, incredible how they used to build them. I would take this one. You know, right. so I, I did have um, not an expert like you, but a guy who knew his way around. And so he would he would tell me. And so but I never would have thought I had to have the leaf springs um, replaced on my 19th. I was I was looking at it in the driveway one day and it was completely crooked. And I yeah, was like, why yeah. is it doing that? And so I took it in and he's like, your leaf springs are done. We got to have them done. I didn't even know what a leaf spring was. So right. um, not all trailers will have leaf springs. Some of the vintage ones will have what's called torsion axles. They'll look like a little spring wrapped around the axle. Yes. They can do the same thing. They can wear out and your trailer can look like it's leaning to one side. So mm-hmm. anything you see that is an alarm, like the trailer's not sitting right or something that doesn't right. sound right, get it checked immediately. Okay, I want to ask you this. Uh, we love, when all the girl campers get together, one of our favorite things to do is watch uh, Lucy and Desi in the long, long trailer. What kind of trailer was that? Okay. See, Tell I us the story. <laughs> the, the trailer in the movie was based on a new moon trailer. It's a 1953 new moon. There never was an actual real trailer used. They were always set built for a partially gutted trailer. Oh, and okay. Partially gutted trailer was used for the mountain scenes. And I probably could ruin the movie for some of your viewers because if you watch the movie, sometimes yeah. you'll see they had the famous, you know, sunken living room that they had. Oh, yeah, you know, yeah. Which set. Well, if you watch in the mountain pulling scenes, you watch all the rocks and the jars of jelly slide all the way from the living room to the back, and the set's not there. Oh, I never did catch that. There's so many different set builds, and the problem was it was a partially gutted trailer they used for the pulling scenes because it actually did shoot on site out Mm -hmm. uh, out west. And so they pulled all the scenes in the beginning of the movie when they're in flat lands. They pulled with a mercury. Well, when they got to the end of the movie, they were shooting, because back then they were shooting in order of the scenes. They wouldn't do just random scenes. Okay. So they were pulling in the mountains. Well, the Mercury wouldn't even pull the gutted trailer, partially gutted trailer. Okay. So if you watch the movie again, the beginning of the movie is a Mercury. The second half of the movie is a Lincoln. <laughs> they, actually had, they actually had to hand paint the trim of a Mercury on the side of a Lincoln, because a Lincoln and a Mercury almost looked identical. Yeah. But it, yeah. I've got photos I can, I can post that show both cars seen side by side. Yeah. They're totally different. But in the mountain scenes, you're not paying attention to the car, you're paying attention to the trailer. It's about to fall off the cliff, you know, they're hitting yeah. rocks, so you really don't notice it. But, we're so busy looking at Lucy's clothes that she wears right. camping that we're, we weren't paying attention to any of that. Right. We so, have so then, much fun watching that. There's also, the, the movie was actually based on a book. The book was published in 1951, and it's the same title, Long, Long Trailer, and it is a true book. It was a family, it's called the Twices, they lived out in Colorado, California, and the trailer in the book, although they call it a Zephyr, they didn't have copyrights to use the actual brand, but the actual brand the family had was an Airfloat. It was oh, 1949 okay. Airfloat, and it was only 28 foot long. Oh, and they <laughs> called it the Long, Long Trailer, but that was considered a long trailer in In those days, yeah. But when the movie came out, the movie kind of put bids out for what trailer companies wanted to pay to have their trailer featured in the mm-hmm. movie, and New Moon's the one that won out. Oh, okay. But they never actually went into production with that trailer? Okay. Yes. You could you could buy a New Moon, but oh, okay. the New Moon's never came. They wouldn't look the same inside. They never had the sunken living room. Okay. They never said the, the automatic doorbell. They never had that. But yeah. that was a little bit of just because of the storyline. But you could get one that would look just like that on the outside. Now, there. some people say, oh, I, I was little, I saw the trailer outside a movie theater. Well, that was a production stunt. They, every movie theater across the country would contact the local new moon dealership and have them bring a new bring movie one out. Bring the movie one out. theater. So, Tim, I want to ask you, for, for those for whom a budget is not an issue, uh, there are some people like that out there. If you wanted, you just love that charm of the vintage trailer. When you think about what it costs to buy a new trailer, like, you know, my Max trailer is an expensive trailer. If you wanted to buy and pay the money to have a totally, you know, um, frame-off restoration trailer, where would you buy that? Okay. You know, everybody always asks, because we do kind of do high-end restorations mm-hmm. here at our shop, and the pricing can be pretty extensive. Um, our general rule of thumb here at our shop, 
the average can be a little higher. This is about $2,000 a linear foot of trailer. So a 30-foot vintage trailer can start around $60,000. Mm -hmm. That seems like a lot of money, and it, it is. But you could go buy a brand-new 2019 just standard travel trailer for that same amount of money, mm -hmm. maybe use it a year and decide you don't want it, and you're going to sell it for maybe thirty grand if you're lucky. You're going to lose half of that value. And if you try to keep it within six years at, at the yeah. most, you're going to start having issues with it. It's really sad the RV industry today. They're really not building on the last 50, 60, 70 years like these vintage ones have. So it really is a smart investment because if somebody does pay $60,000, dollars $80,000 for a professional restoration, they keep it well done, they keep it up, keep, they, they, they don't let it go down, they can easily sell that trailer for the same amount of money they got into it three, four, ten years later. So right. the investment can be very smart to have a, a professional restoration. And I tell people all the time, too, like if you look at a, you know, there's sometimes people will say, oh, God, this Airstream was $80,000. You know, one of the things I always tell people is when you spend 60, 70, or even less, if you spend $40,000 on an RV, maybe even you buy a big fifth wheel, it's a weekend home. It, it, you don't have to pay property taxes on it or HOA fees on it. And the, the cost of maintaining an RV is so much cheaper than any. Like, I live in New Jersey, and everybody has a beach house here. That costs a fortune, and you're only using it three or four months a year. When you have an RV, you have a weekend home for $50,000, and you can take it anywhere you want. It's a beach house one weekend. It's a mountain home the next weekend. I think it's a smart deal. It really is. And, you know, in my situation, you know, instead of buying, you know, a summer home or a beach home and, you know, wasting all that money, I, I've kind of got into the habit now where I have so many different types of trailers, vintage trailers, that I've spent nowhere near what I spend on a vacation home. But I've got small little trailers that are great for little weekend getaways. I've got bigger trailers, which I love to take if I'm going somewhere for a week or two. I mean, mm -hmm. I've got trailers 30, 35 foot long, which are very large for vintage trailers, but I can go to a park, set it up, and it's like a house on wheels, wherever yeah. I want to go. And then I've got truck, vintage truck campers, which is my new Ooh. love last two years, <laughs> which are great because you can just spur the moment, you back the truck up underneath it, you chain it down. I can still carry a boat with me. I can still carry a utility trailer with a golf cart or motorbikes, whatever I want to carry, and still have a truck, an RV, and all my toys on a flatbed trailer. So I've got yeah. all these variables that I can, you know, rearrange and do when you're stuck in a beach home at the same place year after year. Right, and I have to agree with you about when when you invest in that, you're you're maintaining an investment. I remember when my husband and I first got married, we we went to the local furniture store to buy a um, Ethan Allen dining room set, and, and we couldn't afford it. The, the table was $2,000. Each chair was like 500 and the whole set was like $10,000. And we went down to an antique shop, and we spent $2,000 buying this fantastic oak table with all the leaves. And that table's worth the same as or more as, as it was. We've had all these lovely years of use out of it. And I'm so, we got into it because of... We, that's what we could afford. And and now so many uh, pieces of our furniture are very valuable. And, um, you know, so I, I love that aspect of it. I want to talk about rallies for a minute before we let you go. Sure. One of these days I'm going to get down to your – you you have a fantastic annual rally down in Florida, right? Yes. Is it um, open to the public? Do you have to have a vintage trailer to go? Well, you know, there's a lot of great organizations out there. I know you promote a lot of great uh, organizations for your listeners. I am actually the southeastern representative of an international camping club. We're, we're called the Ten Camp Tourists. I'm a member. And we're on the Internet, and we're also on Facebook. we got over 40,000 members on our Facebook mm -hmm. page. We are actually the oldest camping club in the world. We were founded in 1919. This is actually our 100th year celebration this year. It's our centennial year. And um, we have rallies all over the country. Actually, we have them internationally. We even have representatives in Japan, Australia, Europe, France. I mean, we're, we're all over the world nowadays. And um, we have great rallies in the United States, a lot of great rallies in the southeast, especially in Florida. And I host... In Michigan? Uh, 
Yes, in Michigan, and um, we're just now really spreading out to the northwest. We got some great rallies that are starting in Oregon, California, Washington, mm-hmm. and Tin Can Tourist is a great club. You know, I you always get a little iffy. I remember when I first joined Tin Can Tourist, and I was so excited. These are my people. You know, they're yeah. in vintage trailers, but you don't have to have vintage to be a Tin Can Tourist. Everybody mm-hmm. thinks it's a vintage only club, but it's not. All you gotta have is the appreciation for vintage. You're welcome to come to all of our rallies as a member, and it's only $25 a year for your entire family, uh, $28 a year after that if you do an automatic renewal, so it's very inexpensive, mm-hmm. and uh, our rallies are so much fun. When I mean, is the Florida you, rally? Uh, we have a couple in Florida, but the one that I host is in the Panhandle of Florida, not far from Panama City. I've uh, got a co-host that two of us do it together, and it's um, this year going to be at Topsail State Park, which is around the Destin area, just west of Panama City Beach. And we already have over 100 trailers signed up that will be there. And it's the first weekend in October. Ah. And if you're in the area or you're going to be, you know, vacationing down in Florida that time of year, see if, you know, go to our website, see if mm-hmm. you're going to be in that area. Because at 10 Camp Tourist Rallies, we always have an open house on Saturday. You're more welcome to come out. So you can just come in and take it all in. Or tour all the trailers. And that's something I forgot to mention when we were talking about buying a trailer. One of the things I highly would recommend before you buy a trailer, if you're able to do it, go to some rallies. There's rallies all over the country. Take an open house tour. See what all's out there. There's so many brands out there. So many people get in this hobby and think, oh, I want an Airstream. That's a vintage trailer. Well, mm-hmm. in the 1950s and 60s alone, there were over 3,000 different manufacturers. So there's some really yeah. cool things out there. So make sure you know exactly what's out there before you say That's why I love when people play uh, Stump Tim Heights because when they, <laughs> when they go on to the – I love to just scroll around on the Tim Cantora's Facebook page – and uh, when people post something and they say, hey, Tim, what is this? And 95% of the time, you know. <laughs> about, there's a few times I'll get stumped a little bit. Usually it's a little bit newer than what I, my expertise is in. I really know my trailers from the 1920s to the 1950s. 60s, I'm what I consider okay with, but I'm actually pretty good at 60s. Yeah. 70s and 80s, which surprisingly the 80s is starting to become very popular. Yeah. Um, they all just started looking the same to me, so it's very hard yeah. to get Yeah. Well, when you're at um, a, a tourist, um, a tin can tourist rally like that, are there a lot of people selling their trailers? There is. Um, if you have a trailer to sell, one of our members are more welcome to put a for sale sign in. So it's a good venue to kind of come to, see what's available. Even if you're not in the market to buy, you know, right then, at least gives you an idea of what the market is on fitness traders and see what they're asking and what type of condition you can find them in. And another thing, if you can't find a rally to go to, find a restoration shop that will allow you to take a tour. That would actually be the ideal position to go look. Um, if you're going to be in the Panama City area, you're more welcome to come take a tour of our shop. I'll give you the green tour. Um, just email or call us to make sure I'm here and set up an appointment. Because that way you can see, we usually keep around 12 to 20 trailers at any time at our shop in various states of restoration. So you can actually see the inner workings of trailers, how they're constructed how they need to be taken apart and put together. And that's valuable information before you really just kind of dig in blind and not know. You're out there looking yourself. Right. Well, Tim, I think you have given people so much good information like you always do, and I'm not kidding or flattering you when I say I've just been a Tim Hines fan for so long. And in my husband, I, I would we'd be working on a trailer, and I'm like, I don't think that's right. I'm going to go ask Tim Hines. I've got to go post this. And I'm always – you're so generous with people with your knowledge all the time. And, um, I, I when love you're, doing it. Honestly, it kind of helps feed my addiction from getting too many more trailers. I help you. People with air. <laughs> it slows me down. I mean, I, I lost so many after the hurricane, but uh, I think I'm back up to 11 trailers now in my collection. <laughs> well, I saw your two-story one last week, and I can't wait to see that finished. I, I that okay. thing looks so cool. I had one during the storm, and it got it got destroyed. I wasn't able to evacuate it in time, so I had to find a replacement. They're not easy to find, but I've got one. But you got one. Well, the gods were shining on you that day, so I'm glad you got blessed with that. So, Tim, I can't wait to see that one when it's done. And I can't make your Florida rally this year because I'm going to be in Ireland. But, oh, wow. yeah, yeah, that's uh, taking a pile of girl campers to glamping in Ireland. So, yeah. So I'm sorry that I'm going to miss that because, 
because one of these days I'm going to get up to Michigan or down there to you because those rallies look like so much fun. My husband doesn't want me to go because he knows that I'll just come home with like, we should get a vintage. <laughs> I we just want one up. in my backyard. <laughs> all right. Well, thank you, Tim. Thanks for coming on the show and thanks for all that you do to just help people be safe out there. And I'm having fun following you. Tell everybody where they can follow you. They can always follow us at our website, nightsdesigns.com, um, which is going to be under construction for a couple of months. We're finally getting that all rebuilt. And they can always follow us uh, with us on uh, Instagram, under Heights Designs, and Trader Restorations, or our Facebook page. Great. Okay, well, I'm going to put all those links in the blog post uh, about this interview. And thanks again for coming on the show. It's just great talking to you. Oh, I had a blast. Thanks, Tim. Take Thank care. Bye. Well, that's our show for today, and I'd really like to thank Tim for coming on the show. It was such a pleasure to have him on here. I know that we all fall in love with the charm of those vintage trailers, and I'm not trying to dissuade anyone in any way. I just want people to be realistic about what's involved in making them safe and roadworthy. And Tim is always so kind and patient in transferring that information to people. So thank you, Tim, for coming on the show. I'd also want to thank our friends at Campco because they also do so much to make us safe out there on the roads. One of the things we were just talking about around the campfire with the girls is these extension mirrors that go on your car. If you think you need a little extra help seeing that blind spot, Campco makes a whole series of mirrors that go on the existing mirror of your car. One of them is a model they call the flat Cohency mirror. This is really cool. It suction cups onto your mirror and there's a knob that tightens so you're not relying on just that suction cup. A little knob tightens it and there is a safety wire around it too so if a car coming in the other direction knocked your mirror you don't lose it. It's hanging by a string. This thing costs $28.21 and when you suction cup them on it works with your remote inside the car so if you push your mirror in or out this mirror moves with it i I just think it's incredible they're on amazon.com and go over there and check them out and all the fun things camco makes to make our lives on the road safer and happier and more fun i'd also like to thank our consortium of girl camper friendly dealerships bankston motorhomes with five locations two in tennessee and three in alabama Setzer's World of Camping in Huntington, West Virginia, and General RV with 13 locations around the country. And, of course, our friends at Liberty Outdoors. Go RVing and, again, Campco. Well, that's a wrap, everybody, for this week. I hope everybody has a great week. Happy trails.